Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioe Jr. And joining me is Funhouse's own Alana Pierce. Hi, what's up? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Discord like muted you clapping, so it just looked very strange, but I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, that <laughs> happens. Uh, we, we're starting this show like a few minutes late on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games because uh, we had to tinker around and put an ocean behind you because you're rocking a green screen, which means we can do things. How do dare you thing. blow my cover this quickly? Uh, no, I'm definitely at the beach. Uh, a beach with the Wi-Fi. Issues, yes, the issues we had were um, noise canceling the wind, which is definitely. Mm happening <laughs> no green screen alana welcome Not to the show thank you for people who everybody should know who lana pierce is but for the few that don't what is the elevator pitch on alana pierce oh i didn't prepare any of this um hi i'm alana pierce i've been in games media for eight years i started out in australia working on uh national television and radio and then worked at ign for three years and i now write inside gaming i just wrote our daily show uh, along with brian and uh work at funhouse i'm a producer nice and, and, and whatever else. for people who, who might not know which they should know what is inside gaming oh uh inside gaming is i don't even know really where to start but basically um a rusty owned brand now was machinima in the past uh youtube channel is youtube.com slash inside game you can also find us on rusty.com uh, we have a also daily uh, gaming news show. Today we're talking about censorship on the internet. Um, we also do reviews and previews and unboxings and all that kind of stuff, but mostly a focus on um, daily news show. And of course, people can probably find that over on youtube.com slash inside gaming if they want to check that out. <laughs> now, you're a lady of many talents, including DJing. And mm -hmm. this was actually a conversation we had a few months ago on Kind of Funny Games Daily that I want to bring back up because me and, me and Tim were talking about this. The best club bangers. Now, for mm. you, as a DJ, I'm putting you on the spot. Mm. What are your five go-to club bangers? It absolutely... So this is the thing about being a DJ that people don't realize is, is complicated. It absolutely depends on who the crowd is. You can't... There's no go-to. It depends who your audience is. Mm. Um, there are certain songs that, that work very well for completely different audiences. Uh, like, if I'm DJing at gamer events, which I've done a few of, uh, you can't go wrong with dropping the Pokemon theme song at the end of the night when everyone's really mm. drunk. But uh, when I'm good. playing at, I had a residency here in LA, when I was playing there, they mostly wanted Deep House. So I'm probably not going to drop the Pokemon theme song there. So yeah, the answer is, completely depends on the venue. Uh, the, the biggest skill of DJing, in my opinion, unless you're scratching and, and you're doing that kind of technical side of it, is reading a room and figuring out how to get people to dance. So there's no, gotcha. no banger, there's no go-to. But in, in your dream venue though, Say you're at a venue that is like, okay, I'm Alana Pierce. These are my people. They, their tastes are my tastes. I can play whatever five tracks I want to. What five tracks are you going to? And how many okay. of them include Lil Jon? <laughs> um, I could look at my most played and give you that, that answer of like whatever songs I go to the most. Uh, I mean, I tend to go from like 125 bpm up to look there are just songs that i really love one of them is mm. i'll play pretty much anything by shiba san if you know who that is um there's a song called i like a booty which i just absolutely love to play um i really love some good trap uh rl grime anything by him is going to be really good it's hard for All me right. to give you five five actual songs uh i'm gonna say shiba san's i like a booty uh because i really love playing that song it just it really slaps but there's a lot of remixes that i i really like playing like um there's a 
Gwen Stefani uh, song. I think it's technically No Doubt that, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the song. It starts with the clock ticking. You know, the you one. Me. You lost me. Song that you had exists. me at, Ar you had me at Arlo Prime. Just fucking hard. Gwen Stefani, that's where my, my knowledge kind of dissipated. <laughs> it might technically have been No Doubt at that time, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really, you put me on the spot here, man. I can literally look it up, but I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back around toward the end of this. Okay. The show okay. Give me, give me, I could pull out my laptop and be like, "You have an hour." Because oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll make it work. <laughs> Alana, enough about club bangers. Let's talk about a possible PS5 event, uh, GTA mm -hmm. 6 speculation, and more. Because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv/slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames roosterteeth.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show uh, housekeeping of course it's kind of funhouse week we're doing all sorts of crossover content with our pals at funhouse like this episode of kfgd featuring alana pierce to catch the full rundown head over to, to kindoffunny.com slash funhouse uh, later today, we're reacting live to that Last of Us Part 2 State of Play stream. Uh, that's happening right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Alana, are you, are you going to tune in for that? Are you going to watch that Last of Us State of Play? Of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm scared to say it, but I have not seen any spoilers. I've avoided everything entirely. Um, I haven't even wanted to talk about it because I don't want to get in that territory. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. Can't wait. Should be good. Dude, I'm, I'm so mixed on it because like... One, I'm excited for the last of part two, obviously. I'm ready to I'm ready to see more of it. I'm ready to play it. On the other hand, I'm like, do I really want to see 20 more minutes of gameplay from this game? Like I know I'm I know I'm sold. I know I'm excited. I kind of just want to play it at this point. It can be an no? interesting one where like there's you get to a certain point with the game where you don't want to see anymore. Like I really felt like I saw too much of Horizon Zero Dawn before it came out. It was like mm -hmm. I have seen a lot of this thing and I don't need to see any more of it. That totally happens. With The Last of Us, I'm intentionally not starting to play it because obviously codes have gone out um until watching the state of play today i don't know why i wanted to do that but i feel like i wanted mm -hmm. to see their last like marketing beat because i feel like the things we've seen in that game have been very very different and i don't know i yeah. just I'm excited about about the the hype of this game and you know what what it means for the sending off of this uh console generation cycle so yeah. Again, that uh, that reaction is going on uh, at twitch.tv slash games at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, later, later today, we're doing another sponsored Predator Hunting Ground stream. Join me, Greg, Nick, Andy, and Fran as we hunt, hunt each other down on twitch.tv. Fran Mirabella the third? Fran Mirabella the third, which, of course, is going to be a fun time because he's, he always plays a great Predator. And when I say a great Predator, I mean... <laughs> Likely the worst, the worst predator because he's very oh, undecisive about what he wants to do as predator. Uh, so come come through for that again. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games is happening at four o'clock, uh, four p.m. Pacific time. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed, Blackjack, and Al Tribesman. Today we're brought to you by Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have five stories today. A baker's dozen! Starting with our number one, could we finally be getting that PS5 event next week? Uh, this comes from Jason Schreier and, and Takashi Mochizuki, both 
of Bloomberg. That's right. This is Jason. I believe this is Jason Schreier's first work at Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh, their article reads, uh, Sony is planning, planning a digital event to showcase games for its next generation PS5 that may take place as early as next week, according to people with direct knowledge of the matter. The virtual event could be held June 3rd, though some people also caution that plans have been in flux and that date may change. Other PS5 events may follow in the, in the coming weeks and months, and Sony is not expected to reveal every essential detail on the console during its first presentation. A Sony spokesperson declined to comment. The Japanese tech giant has, also, has only let out a trickle of information on the PS5, which the company says is still planned for release this holiday season, despite the COVID-19 pandemic that has damped its promotional plans. Fans have been eager to, to hear about the lineup of video games that will launch alongside the console that the, and those that will be revealed later. Sony's biggest rival, Microsoft, has put out regular streams and updates about the upcoming Xbox Series X, which is also planned for release this fall. Most video game publishers' announcement plans have been disrupted by the pandemic, which has led, to me, uh, which has led many to replace planned live press conferences with pre-recorded presentations. So, Alana, these rumors have kind of been floating around for like about the last month but mm -hmm. this this june 3rd date has actually been one that has come around this week uh jason Schreier reported today i think jeff grubb also was throwing that date around this morning and jeff grubb of course is the dude who's been who's been le not leaking but like kind of kind of spinning the rumor mill rumor mill uh, about quite a few things lately uh does how do you feel about this june 3rd date fine listen the whole, the whole thing with this like in this entire story is i'm like i'll watch it whenever you know give it to me yeah. absolutely whenever you want june 3rd makes sense i don't feel like it it matters tremendously um i do feel like i don't know that much about the playstation 5 outside of sony's presentation but i also know and i don't think i've said this anywhere so uh, minor scoop for you that they've tried to do sony has tried to do um presentations already this year and i know this from developers who were supposed to be part of those presentations but mm. didn't because for some reason somewhere in the the Sony hierarchy they were very obsessed with the idea of having a very 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 professional stream rather than uh, uh something previously recorded so they weren't willing to do anything outside of a massive studio with a crew of like 25 to 30 people which for those devs who were planning to have their games revealed at those certain streams was very frustrating because they were like I don't understand why we can't just send you in this footage, have our marketing go out exactly as planned, but uh, PlayStation just just wasn't having the at-home quality stuff. They were refusing to do it. Um, so I feel like maybe this is actually going to be huge is the one thing that I'm, I'm kind of thinking, is that I know that there have been reveals that have been planned that have been put off because Sony didn't want to do them. So we might actually see a lot of games. We might actually see some reveals. I don't know, uh, but that's what I hope comes out of it. When it actually comes to the date, you know, I don't care. I'll watch it whenever they, they do it. <laughs> you could do it at 3 a.m. Yeah. and I'll still wake up to watch that. So whenever you like, I guess, yeah, the same as E3 timing makes sense. Makes sense. And this is one, this is one of those things that me and Greg have been kind of going back and forth on. And, and uh, ever, since there, ever since GDC got canceled, it seems like the rollout for the PS5 has gotten very interesting because they had that Mark Cerny talk that was very obviously meant for GDC for that type of audience. They had the reveal of the DualSense, which also seemed like a, a thing that, in the in the way that they revealed it, like it doesn't come off as too weird, but at the same time, like I could have seen that as a GDC announcement alongside the. Yeah. I believe we got reports of Unreal Engine Five, uh, su supposedly supposed su uh, supposed to being it was supposed to be at GDC, uh, as I understand it. And so, like all all those things could have easily been packaged together as a thing mm -hmm. we got earlier in the year, uh, and as a thing that ramped up to what would have been a PS Five event that we could have gotten by now. 
like I honestly think we could have gotten a PS5, like a bigger PS5 event by now if everything went their way, uh, and if like work from home wasn't a thing and and things didn't go to to shit, uh, pretty much. <laughs> and so like, sure did. Yeah, I, I I never really knew what Sony was going to do, especially after they had the pro event in um it was it was at December one year. I was still at IGN. They sent Ryan McCaffrey, and I, I know that that was a a really weird event because we watched the stream and watching that stream didn't really translate very well because of course they keep having the problem of you know streams only being in 1080 or buffering or whatever else so audiences at home don't really get a good read on it whereas the people in the room get it just fine and now they lose the people in the room like i've done three game previews since lockdown started and all of them have been on discord where nobody's willing to ask a question there's awkward lag sometimes someone's mic cuts out the games just don't look as good as they would in person so Figuring out how to market any of this stuff without having people in the room or without having people have hands-on with the PlayStations is just really tough. Like I, oh, yeah. I, I know this whole thing has got to be a mess for them, especially when they're, you know, everyone who's worked so hard on that system is going to be really excited about the launch. It's so hard to figure out how to show it in the best way that I feel like, you know, sometimes we feel like these these massive corporations have their shit together. In this instance, they just absolutely don't, and they're figuring it out as they go. And yeah, they probably had a lot more planned for GDC that just didn't end up working that way. So they have to pick and choose what's going where and what timing. And it's I feel so sorry for these marketing teams. It's got to be really, really tough. Um, yeah, it's it's such an interesting contrast too between them and, and what Microsoft is doing with their uh, inside Xboxes. Like this last mm-hmm. one, the last couple have been from home, and they do have like uh, Major Nelson like sitting at sitting at home like talking directly to you, and they have they they show off the different developers like in their living rooms in a way that for for those showcases feels homey but also like obviously like this is the thing that they need to do because this the the state of the world we're in whereas to what you're saying i don't necessarily see sony as the company to go that route like if anything i kind of see and i don't know i don't think uh the ps5 reveal is gonna be packaged up as a state of play but i see it being packaged up in a similar polished sort of way to where now like yeah you lose the audience but we'll probably we're probably gonna see this being like if anything very akin to the google stadia connect that we got uh last e3 where it was like all right here's 50 minutes of ps5 it's it's us it's it's uh it's someone talking in front of a green screen talking directly to you it's very polished like yeah we're losing out on, on an audience but we're still going to make this as professional as possible because we want you to associate the PS5 with this thing that is packaged uh, packaged professionally as possible and that is polished. I totally agree. Like I think that, you know, Xbox has had inside Xbox for a long time. They were already doing that kind of content. They were already streaming that kind of stuff anyway. Um, Sony's just a lot tighter when it comes to the way that they present information, it even when it comes to preview and, and, and review stuff as well. Their mm-hmm. embargoes are often a lot stricter. Like everyone's gotten Minecraft Dungeons this week and is just playing it. And you're hopefully allowed to talk about it. I'm surprised that they even let people um, say that they had their hands on The Last of Us. So it's just um, Sony's Sony's just uh, very careful about the the way yeah. that they do stuff. Very I'm sure it up. really sucks for them to not be able to do this stuff in person. So I think you're probably right. We will probably get a really professional conference, which I don't know if that's the right call now. Uh, cause I feel like, you know, audiences didn't care for what Sony did. I could listen to Mark Sony talk for hours. Personally, I yeah. adore that man. He can talk to me about tech forever, but the public doesn't care about that. The general gaming public does not care about that kind of stuff. So is it like, do they go the, the dubstep E3 hype route or mm-hmm. do they try to make it like an E3 conference where they just package a bunch of trailers together? 
and who is going to be the person who talks about the actual hardware because maybe Sony's not the right person to do it for a public facing event. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, this it's that's tough. also another thing that me and Greg been going back on because this is like, all right, there's not really a Phil Spencer figure at PlayStation, right? right. Like I, you imagine that for whatever the different segments of their showcase are, right? Like maybe for hardware you do have Cerny, but then for software you have Herman Holst because he's the, he's the head of Worldwide Studios, and then for maybe when it comes to the details of price and all these things, you finally bring out Jim Ryan. Like yeah, right I mean, right the now they don't that necessarily have that they- person they don't want it um i know for people you know friends i have who work at sony they are against having figureheads uh i don't know why um but they don't like the idea of anyone being recognizably a part of a brand or even a studio i don't think that they they like the neil Druckmann Corey barlog thing when it comes to their mm-hmm. studio heads um they, they try to actively stop those people from doing outside podcasts or whatever where Microsoft doesn't necessarily care. So I think it's because then it seems like more like a cohesive corporation than a series of of people associated to yeah. different brands. Well, that's really weird, sure, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a bad call. Um, but it's definitely something they're strict about. But I I I, I guess it's just means for them particularly, it's a real shift right now. Um I did want to mention uh, Jeff jumped in the in the chat. Jeff Grubb here on Twitch said oh. Sony's tightened up tightened up a lot in the last week. So I Still don't know if plans to show hardware at the June 3 event. I think it's possible we still get hardware revealed in Wired out of nowhere or something. That makes sense. But I don't think they go beyond June uh, 3 without showing the box. Beyond. Interesting. Beyond. (laughs) Beyond. (laughs) Do you you have any predictions for, say, software? Like if they do come out, let's say, next week, and do do you go all in? And do you finally have that PS5 reveal? Like, do you have any predictions for what we might see? Predictions and more hopes. (laughs) Like, I would love to see Horizon Zero Dawn 2, even though maybe that feels a little bit too soon. Obviously, I want Bloodborne. More Bloodborne would make me very happy. That seems unlikely because we know what that studio is working on. Um, No, I don't really have a ton of predictions because I feel like this cycle specifically with the amount of of first-party Sony games, uh, especially that aren't made in China, it's a huge thing and I think people don't realize is virtually every single PlayStation game is made in another country. Um, and they, you know, they have the, those in the credits, but you know, when you think of Naughty Dog, you don't think of the hundreds of people who are working very close to Wuhan actually um, on Uncharted 4. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is the same. So I feel like because of the way that um, the coronavirus has affected those studios who are generally working on environments, a lot of time animation and, and um, art too, uh, they probably have had a lot of stuff really significantly slowed down because they do outsource is not the right word because these are, you know, really talented teams who sure their mm. salaries are lesser, but they're still really talented teams of people who are working on these games and they deserve full credit. It's not just outsourcing. Uh, but because yeah, Sony does have so much production in China and China was shut down right from the start of the year for a very long time. I just don't know what their launch lineup looks like now or how affected they're going to be. It's really hard to say. Maybe it'll be fine. The five-star man writes in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, Hey, Blessing and Alana. In a joint report for Bloomberg, Jason Schreier and Takashi Mochizuki report that Sony could give an online conference showcasing some of its next-gen games as early as June 3rd. Assuming this is true and the ongoing pandemic doesn't change plans, when do you think Sony make, make the announcement confirming it? What games do you think we could see? Could we get reveals like Horizon 2, or would it be things like a new Madden, FIFA, or Assassin's Creed Valhalla footage? Thanks for everything you do, the five-star man. Uh, I think if we get a June 3rd 
reveal event, I think we get first party reveals. I do. I think that they will treat it like um, E3. I doubt we get Assassin's Creed Valhalla because they clearly uh, have a marketing tie with Xbox this time around. Yeah. Call of Duty seems likely. Um, yeah. FIFA. I don't know if EA is doing a conference or not. It's so hard to keep track of everything this year. Like yeah. It's so weird to be in this week and know that like right now, any other year, I would be panicking about E3. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, I think definitely doing they, a thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, they are doing something. Then, then maybe we'll get like a, a reveal of FIFA or something. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that they'll go hard if they if they do it around this time. It makes sense to me. This is kind of yeah. the time you want people to be excited about buying the stuff later in the year. Yeah, I agree. I think first party is a given if they show up. Um, it, uh, to what Alana is saying, right? Assassin's Creed Valhalla has a deal with with Xbox, which I think is pretty obvious. And so I don't think you'll see that. But yeah, I think you will see if not horizon two, at least like what some of the launch titles will be. Um, and so like, if, if things go the way that I've been predicting, you'll see a knack three, uh, you'll, you'll see whatever else is there. I imagine <laughs> you'll see, um, fuck every single time I forget the studio's name, uh, Rezo gun studio, uh, who like recently said that arcade is dead. How Mark? Resogun. I think oh, you'll yeah. see Mark you'll, something. Yeah. No, wait. Marquis? No. Mark 30 house, Mark 30. Uh, no, it's house. Mark. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll see Housemark's game that they've been working on because I think like we made the prediction earlier in the year and I, I actually buy it that like whatever whatever game they're working on they're working on it uh, in partnership with Sony and I think it's going to be an exclusive launch title so I think you'll see that um, and I like I, I honestly think you'll see the big guns uh, if we do get that June third yeah. event and so as far as as far as far as when do I think Sony makes the announcement confirming a June third date if it is happening June third I think well it's, it's going to happen after the last thing today for sure and like. At this point, like they ran out of time with that. Do you um, think that they could uh, announce the next conference as part of the stream today? That like, at, like, and the, the stream saying like return for new info on June third. Possible, yeah. Maybe, but I also feel like they for for this stream they want all focus to be on the lastest part two in a way where they yeah. don't want anything to distract from it. And so, I could see it being Friday or Monday, like. I feel like Friday is kind of a weird a weird day to announce like something that's coming up, but Monday also feels too soon if it but is June third. So I think it's most video game announcements and reveals occur on a Tuesday or a Thursday, <laughs> which is like doesn't mean it's going to happen again. It's never a Friday, and news on a Monday is generally pretty bad. So I yeah yeah I, you know I'm going to just put a guess in for Tuesday next week. That's <laughs> just. So <laughs> if, if it's happening on, on the third, you're saying the day before they come out and they're like, tomorrow we're coming oh, out. That is next week, isn't it? I'm sorry. Dates yeah. are just really complicated. But yeah, I could see them doing that. Or it'll be tomorrow. They do want I to focus on The Last of Us, though. So like, that's a complicated thing. It's like, yeah. I know that Sony right now is, is trying to, in this PR mess they've got with The Last of Us Part 2, trying to push that as hard as they can. You know, they mm -hmm. started up an official podcast. Um, they've, they've really... They've, I think have very, very intentionally uh, let people announce that they have review copies and when the review embargo yeah. is up so that they, they have the episodic focus on all too. of that. Yeah. So if, I feel like, like, are it's, they even going to do this before The Last of Us? Like, because then the review embargo is on the 12th. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, well, things are so messy because if in a perfect yeah. world, Last of Us Part 2 would have came out in February and Ghost of Tsushima would have probably already been out by now. And so like, now we're at a point they, where... I think they may have been initially slated for May. 
Ghost of Shima. Well, maybe it was always they definitely pushed for The Last of Us rather than for themselves. Um, this, oh yeah, that, yeah, that game's fine. But um, yeah, I think it may have originally been intended for May. I'm not sure. Yeah, like I don't think they ever announced a spring date, but I think the assumption is like when Last of Us got pushed to May, that then pushed Ghost of Tsushima, right? Mm-hmm. And so like with everything kind of being fucked up the way it is, and now you now you have uh the last list for for june june 19th you have ghost of Tsushima for july 17th and you have iron man vr which is coming out like the first week of july and now it's like all right cool now we got to fit in the ps5 in there somehow and i think yeah, no matter and, how and they and do Call it they're between and, a rock and, and, and everything like there's so there's still so much stuff that we don't have announced that by this time of the year i would know about they would have yeah. been a huge call of duty event by now yeah this just, i don't know what's happening <laughs> and so Tell i'm me. just i'm gonna stick with the prediction of friday we hear ah friday seems too risky i'm gonna say monday i'm gonna say monday we hear about what's going on that's why i would also go monday or tuesday but then again like i feel like it would make sense to not do this event until after the last of us embargo (sighs) we got good sources saying june 3rd man i don't know i don't know it's tough out here it's tough out here (laughs) it's tough out here uh story number two alana is mm-hmm. GTA 6 coming in 2023? I'm pulling this again from Jeff Grubb at VentureBeat, uh, who writes, Take-Two expects to spend $89 million on marketing during the, during the 12-month period ending in March 31st, 2024. That is more than twice the marketing budget for any other fiscal year over the next half decade, according to the company's recent 10K SEC filing. Why is Take-Two planning to spend that much more on marketing, marketing in fiscal 2024? One of the most likely explanations is that is that that is when the publisher expects uh, the release of Grand Theft Auto 6, according to analyst Jeff Cohen of investment firm Stevens. Each year, Take-Two files a 10K with numerous financial details, including its plan for marketing spend for each year for the next five years. In its previous 10K, Take-Two notified investors of a spike in marketing costs for fiscal 2023, but that spending is now has now shifted to fiscal 2024. This movement is, is this movement in spending likely reflects uh, developer Rockstar's uh, Rockstar Games' current plans for the release of Grand Theft Auto VI. Cohen points out this marketing metric previously previously predicted other Rockstar releases. "Quote: We're not sure how much we, we should be we should be reading into this shift, but we will note that this disclosure accurately predicted the launch of Red Dead Redemption 2 prior to that game's announcement." Cohen wrote in a note to investors. "Quote." Take-Two management has spoken very confidently about the pipeline over the next five years, and existing live services execution has been excellent. However, the timing of the next Grand Theft Auto remains top of mind for investors, particularly with the stock near all-time highs, end quote. If Cohen is right, then Rockstar currently plans to release GTA 6 between April 2023 and March 2024. Of course, that could change if the game, if the game encounters delays. And with the ongoing success of GTA Online, Grand Theft Auto V's online component that makes million, millions of mi- microtransactions, Rockstar isn't in a rush. There then came an update, I believe this morning from GamesIndustry.biz, that goes, a Take-Two, representation, or a Take-Two representative told GamesIndustry.biz that the table in the 10K reflects marketing commitments made to third-party companies. As Rockstar is an internal Take-Two studio, that undermines the notion that that the reported marketing commitments would be related to the next Grand Theft Auto. So there's a lot there. But, Alana, Mm. when do you think we see GTA 6? You know, it's weird because 2024 sort of makes sense. I would buy that. But it's really, it's complicated now because 
anything else that Rockstar brings out that has an online component that competes with shark cards just is competing with itself. Like in theory, they would be splitting up their audience. They they bring out GTA 6 and they take away a huge install base from GTA 5 potentially, or they have to support two games at the same time. Like it's complicated for them no matter what. Um, when do we when do we see it? How long was it between uh, four and five? It was like eight years or something, wasn't it? Oh, four and five. Yeah. Uh, four, I want to say, it came out in two thousand eight. I want to say, and then five came out in twenty thirteen. And then for even more context, Red Dead Two came out in twenty eighteen. So five years right. between. Well, I forget about Red Dead Redemption. Red Red Dead Redemption One came out in like twenty ten. Got a list. We got a list. We got a list. I always forget. We got a list. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Manhunt 2, Bully Skull. Okay. GTA 4, 2008. Uh, yep. Bully was also 2000. No, no, that was Scholarship Edition. Bully Scholarship Edition, yeah. Um, so that was 2008. This, this list is all over the place because it has re releases like Max Payne. Um, it was like Xbox Originals on Xbox 360. Yeah, I, I don't need any of this. Max Payne 3 is in there somewhere too. We we're talking about Rockstar. PS3 generation was wild for Rockstar. Yeah. So Red Dead was 2010. Uh, Max yes. Payne 3 was 2012. That is wild for Rockstar. To yeah, right. That fucking output, and then yeah. the year after they put out GTA 5. GTA 5 is 2013. So okay, it's completely unpredictable. I take everything back. Um, no, I, no, I, I, I don't know. Like... I, I feel like we're gonna get it. Probably, I feel like about four years makes sense. I think that Rockstar generally want to release a game either the year of or the year before the end of a console cycle so then they can port it to the next console so that they can get double the sales <laughs> and they can start with a really fresh install base. So I would not be surprised if quite soon we hear that uh, Red Dead is coming to next-gen consoles as well. Oh, yeah. um, that definitely makes with, sense. With a beefed-up online service too. So I think that they'll probably focus on that before focusing on the release of GTA. But this whole story, um, you know, especially the mention of marketing commitments made to third-party companies, wasn't the new story the other day that they were releasing like eighty games or something? Of oh yeah, take uh, take two. Yeah, like yeah, they're releasing. I think ninety-three in, in the next five years. My guess is that that that's a focus on mobile. Uh, that yeah, I feel like you can spend that much money marketing mobile games. That's not that difficult to do. Um, mm -hmm. but an interesting thing about the way that I only learned this the other day, which, you know, maybe is obvious to most people, but I didn't know is, um, the way that marketing for this game, this stuff works is you can allocate a marketing budget, but you don't actually have to allocate the game. So the reason that Bioshock was on every billboard and every bus ever, at least that was definitely the case in Australia, uh, was because another game got pushed. So then they were like, well, we already spent all this money for this quarter. So we have to advertise something. So it ended up being Bioshock Infinite. So Bioshock Infinite probably wouldn't have sold as well as it did or be, become as, as huge as it was if uh, they just didn't have <laughs> basically unallocated uh, spots that they'd already spent money on. So it could be anything. Huh. And it can I mean, shift. I think, I, I think all those are good points. I think the that Take-Two statement, I... Like, I... I kind of believe it with like a, with a grain of salt, right? Like uh, of them saying that, hey, like the these reported numbers are from third parties. That said, like it still everything still kind of lines up in a way where I'm like, yeah, but 2023 sounds right. Uh, to the point that like the lie, like yeah, know, that's the thing they too. can't. Like, I feel they like can't it, lie on their um. They can't lie to their investors. They can't no. lie on their 10ks. But there's no reason they couldn't lie to games industry companies. They can't. Yeah, yeah no, but I also feel I also feel like silence would have been a better option because like who cares if we predict that GTA 5 or GTA 6 is coming out in 2023? 
like if you look at if to, uh to point back to like the release dates thing right like i think modern rockstar is kind of easier to predict than rockstar during the ps3 era right like gta 5 came out in 2013 then we didn't get anything from rockstar until 2018 with, with red dead redemption 2 mm-hmm. five more years is 2023 I could easily I could easily see like there being a five year development cycle there, right? And maybe maybe it is planned for twenty twenty two, but then it gets pushed. Like I think all that kind of lines up in a way where it's like, yeah, GTA six is probably gonna be twenty twenty three. Like if I had to guess any year, it'd be that year. And like the marketing, uh, the marketing number here is marketing the marketing numbers here kind of lines up with that too. In a way where yeah, earlier in the story, like Cohen point, points out that these same metrics were used to predict Red Dead Redemption two, and so like. Who knows, out. man? Yeah. It check everything kind of checks out in a way. It's like, all right, even if these even if these numbers don't truly reflect GTA uh, six, we can still predict that GTA six is going to come out in twenty twenty three. It's like a, it's almost irrelevant. Like it's it, that year just yeah. makes sense regardless. But again, that ninety three games wouldn't all come out in that one year. No, it, no, no, they wouldn't all come out in that exact fiscal year. So that doesn't make any sense either. That would be over a period of time. I think they said over the next. Five, ten years. Five. I'm completely yeah. forgetting that story. Uh, or the next five years with like the possibility of them being delayed, obviously, and, and different things happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, let's, yeah. Like, let's take two, which like, you know, at that point, you're bringing in like, like the NBA games are bringing in, well, you're bringing in all the different sports games, you're bringing in Private Division, you're bringing in Gearbox. And at a certain point, like, I'm sure it adds up, especially when you bring in mobile games and in, in the casual experiences. And so, especially mobile games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New Bioshock. I forget that mm-hmm. was like, announced kind of thing that happened (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh story story number three silent hill is back kind of uh i'm pulling this from michael mcwerder at games radar who writes silent hills returning in video game form though not as not in its own video game pyramid head and cheryl mason also known as heather are both coming to dead by daylight as playable characters the next chapter in the multiplayer horror game will hit pc and consoles on june 16th and it will let players uh, struggle to survive slash kill everybody in a new map based on Silent Hill's Midwich Elementary School. Mason, the protagonist of Silent Hill 3, appears as a new survivor, while Pyramid Head steps into his natural role as a sadistic killer. If you don't want to play, or if you don't want to wait to play until June, uh, you, can, you can try Dead by Daylight Silent Hill out now in the public test build on Steam. Dead by Daylight already hosts a star-studded selection of crossover characters before, uh, including a Stranger Things chapter that brought in the Demigorgon uh, as a killer, and similar similar appearances for Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers. This is the first time Dead by Daylight has crossed over with another video game, though, and it could hardly it could it could have hardly picked a more iconic villain from the history of video game horror. Alana, first, super super on board. <laughs> I'm gonna play yeah. the hell out of this. <laughs> Love, Silent Hill Love Silent Hill. Silent Hill 2 is one of my favorite games ever. Silent Hill PT, technically just called PT, oh, yeah. is PT. probably my favorite horror experience of all time. I love it so much that I had this thing with Silent Hills where I was like, if that doesn't come out, it's not really that much of a loss because I doubt it ever beats PT. PT is so yeah. good. Um, so I'm, I'm fully on board. I know that uh, the rumor mill is really talking about Silent Hill a lot lately. Um, it's such a big question mark. Obviously, uh, Konami can do it without Kojima 100%. Um, I I feel like they will if they put together Metal Gear Survive. I can't see why they'd be against making Silent Hill. Uh, it, it seems like a no-brainer, but yeah, it's everyone's very excited about the idea of it right now, and 
I can imagine it looking real pretty on a next gen console. So this, I don't feel like oh, this yeah. indicates that it is definitely happening. I don't feel like this is necessarily re related. It's just a cool crossover um, because I don't think they need the market testing to see if people are still interested in Silent Hill. I think they know that they are. If anything, PT consistently shows that and how often people still talk about that. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't indicate that something is 100% going to happen, but uh, I, I think it's cool regardless. I'm on board. The, fi the five star man writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can, and says, Hey, blessing, and welcome, Milana. Dead by Daylight announced Silent Hill's Pyramid Head will be arriving in June. He'll be joining horror icons such as Leatherface, Freddy Krueger, Ash Williams, and Ghostface as guest characters in the game. Is there a horror character, either for movies or games, that you would like to see join the game? Also, what could this mean for for the Silent Hill? For, well, what could this mean for Silent Hill as a franchise? Does this add to or take away from the rumors of Konami selling the IP? The five star man. As far I as would... horror characters, mm -hmm. actually, I don't. I don't really have one in mind, honestly. Like, I feel like the iconic horror characters that I think of are like Freddy Krueger and like. Mm. And and Jason and like Freddy Krueger's in the game and Jason had Friday the Thirteenth, and so nothing comes to mind I, immediately. Like what I want, which seems extremely well, it's not that unlikely. Uh, huge Batman fan, read a lot of Batman comics. There are a lot of instances where Batman is shown as this like nightmarish predator villain who's completely insane, or like alternate universes take takes on Batman. If I could have an evil bat like Batman, I would love that. Um, otherwise, I would say the Babadook. I feel like that would be both funny and fun. <laughs> take that character in that universe. Uh, but generally, I just I love horror in general. I'll take whatever. But as for the second part, what could this mean for the Silent Hill franchise? Like, again, it doesn't necessarily mean anything um, because, they, again, I don't think they need that market testing. Uh, does this add to or take away from the rumors of Konami selling the IP? I don't see Konami selling the IP unless it is sold yeah. to PlayStation for an insane amount of money but frankly like i don't even think there's a there's a value that you can put on a franchise um where everyone knows that name it's just too valuable to a company to have silent hill as yeah something they can pull on at any point in time that you know especially uh where ips that have had multiple sequels that have all sold well is just so 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 valuable uh i can't imagine konami being konami being like no nah, let's get rid of it whatever so if anything i think it probably is more Yes, I would say actually it takes away from the rumors of Konami selling the IP a little bit because it implies Konami is actively collaborating with people on the franchise, so they're still actively working on it. It's not like it's something that's dead that they want to sell off. I feel like it, it might might mean that, yeah, we do get Silent Hill as potentially a launch title or something. I don't know. Um, don't think they're going to sell it, though. Yeah, no, I, as far as like the selling thing, I think at most we get maybe a partnership you know, where Sony licenses mm -hmm. the IP from Konami and, and, and then uses that as a first-party game. Or not even a first-party game, but as an exclusive title. Um, but even even with that idea, I don't think this necessarily means anything towards that. Like, this, I think, completely stands on its own um, as a thing. Like, Konami as a company, I, I, I feel like, is kind of willing to do whatever with their IP. Like, especially if you look at the those, uh, what are they called? Not Pachinko Machines. Are, are they called Pachinko Machines? Machines? The, yeah. Yeah. Um, the gaming <laughs> machines, yeah. Like as far as what they do with Metal Gear Solid and that, uh, and and Metal Gear Survive and the things we've seen coming out of Konami, like I don't necessarily think that uh, they're above uh, licensing out their their IP and their characters for things like this. And granted, this is a this is a more awesome thing, right? Like this is a this is a way more welcome thing than let's say Metal Gear Survive. Um, that said, right? Like as, as as far as as far as where do we see the IP go from here? 
I, 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 I kind of stand by the rumors that that we've gotten about the partnership with Sony. Uh, like I don't have any any sort of insider information, but I think those rumors make sense. And I guess I have fingers crossed that they're true because I think that'd be a good move for both companies. Uh, as far as Sony being able to 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 get Silent Hill exclusively on their platform, um, mm-hmm. at least for a period of time, like I think that'd be genius. I think that'd be a a, a great move. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I see I it. I hope so. I want more. Huge fan. Yeah, and I I, I mean oh, I would just take Silent Hill two remade. I would love but, that. I don't know that I trust Konami to do it, but I would love. Yeah, that. but like to what you're saying, right? Like, there's enough cachet behind that IP that. I think it makes sense to do right. Like people would want it. People would people would go for it. And even if even if it isn't Silent Hills, even if it isn't like a Kojima pro- project, like if you go back to the roots of Silent Hill, I think people would be all for it. People would absolutely want it. The re-releases of old Resident Evil games have, or you know, remakes have absolutely mm-hmm. proven that. Like that's the market testing. Is the fact that Resident Evil Two and Three sold so well. I think there's no way that Konami's not sitting on the sidelines being like, hmm, I would like, like how do we do this? Mm. Exactly. And you know, part of it is people are always worried about them ruining another IP, but listen, Survive is not that bad. I played it. People hated it before playing it. It is an okay survival game. It is not terrible. Um, and also I was told that it was Kojima's idea. I don't know whether he did that and pitched it to them and then bounced. And then was like, Haha, suckers, you're going to make this bad idea happen. But that's what they said. It was his idea. Um, it's not like I loved it, but I don't feel like it was for I got more hate genre. than it I, I, I think so, yeah. Um, because of the context. And I, I, I don't want to just like completely rule out the idea that Konami could make another very good Silent Hill. Naturally, they would not be the ones developing it. Uh, but, you know, it's not, you know, they're not necessarily going to ruin your IP. I'm not going to rule it out, but... I just, I want to be excited. <laughs> Story number four, uh, BlizzCon is canceled. Uh, this comes from a blog post on their website. They write, hello, Blizzard community. Several weeks ago, I shared an update about our uncertainty around holding BlizzCon this year. Since then, a lot has changed. And a lot also hasn't changed. During this time, we've, we've had many discussions about what holding a convention could look like in light of all the health and safety considerations we'd, we'd want to make. We've also talked about different paths we could take and how each one could be complicated by fluctuations in national and local health guidelines in the months ahead. Ultimately, after considering our options, we've come to the, de- to the very difficult decision to not have BlizzCon this year. We're feeling deeply disappointed about this decision and imagine many of you will feel the same. I truly love BlizzCon and I know that's, uh, that's a sentiment shared by everyone at Blizzard. We'll, so- we'll sorely miss connecting with so many of you at the convention and recharging and recharging our geek batteries uh, this fall, but we'll meet again. We're talking about what uh, we're talking about how we might be able to channel the BlizzCon spirit and connect with you in some way online, far less impacted by the way by the state of health and safety protocols for mass in-person gatherings. We want to do it as soon as we could, but uh, given that this this is newish territory and different factors involved, it'll most it will most likely be sometime early next year. BlizzCon is also a stage for big esports events in Blizzard, uh, Blizzard games each year, so we're also looking into alternatives for supporting some of the high-level competition that would normally take place at the show. We'll tell you more about our plans as they develop, but in the meantime, uh, we hope to see you exploring the Shadowlands, hanging out in the tavern, pushing the payload, and wherever, wherever else the Blizzard universes may roam. Stay safe and stay well. 
this makes sense. Of course, this comes after like a series of cancellations of li- literally every single event this year. And so this is not like a surprise or anything. Um, but as an update, like it's good they're canceling it. And like this this is interesting, especially for for BlizzCon and what BlizzCon has kind of been over the last couple of years, because like BlizzCon has not necessarily had the best run. If you look at the last two, Purpose right? Like you look at you, you look at all this time. Yeah, like you you look at the one you look at uh two years ago with BlizzCon and there was that whole like um Diablo mobile game that they revealed and the guy being like, Oh, is this an out of out of season April Fool's joke? And in that kind of whole blow up there. Then yeah, last year with the whole Overwatch stuff, or not was it Overwatch? The um the Blitzchunk stuff. I forget uh, the name of Overwatch. Was it Hearthstone? Yeah, with yeah. with, with Blitzchunk being banned from the game mm-hmm. over some bullshit. Um like, you know, it, they've not had the best run. Uh, as far as what BlizzCon is. That they get an excuse. The one thing that I... Yeah. I don't think Blizzard has that much to show right now in any case. Um, the one thing that seems like a huge bummer is that, you know, Diablo 4 was has been so close to having major reveals several times. Um, so the fact that we probably would have gotten Diablo 4 as part of this event and now aren't necessarily means where do they reveal Diablo 4. And as a huge Diablo fan, it's still, regardless, something that I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing more of. Um, where do we see you know, gameplay, where do we get a release date? Like, how are they going to do that? But but other than that, I don't feel like, you know, Blizzard has that much to do. I like BlizzCon. I have been, um, I don't know, the last maybe three years. Uh, and it's something that, like, I will miss, like, especially watching those pro StarCraft players. Man, that that's that's very cool to see live. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like a huge issue right now. Um, I know that they have some announcements i think as part of ign's rollout it's either ign's or jeff's but we we don't really know what they are but regardless it just this makes sense 100 percent, and i don't feel like it's a major loss to the games industry or the games community and all blizzard <laughs> yeah i don't know that we, we make that much money my my thing mainly is overwatch 2 like when do we hear more about that um and when do we get that because like i think predictions are falling somewhere between like all right probably this fall or sometime early next year and if that's the case like you imagine that blizzcon would be the big blowout for that game does that then turn into like more of a like a jeff keighley summer of gaming thing um or or jeff keighley summer game fest thing or an ign summer of gaming thing right where like they talk about it during the summer instead of during a blizzcon like i wonder I what that so. lead up goes or how yeah, that i can see us getting some some overwatch 2 info there um uh, because you know blizzard still wants to be a part of the conversation and when they don't have that event that is all about them they have to figure out a way to stand out in parts of other conversations uh, unless they were to do their own kind of press conference around the same time as BlizzCon. But mm. I think that, you know, because they have some bad blood on them now, kind of for the first time ever, BlizzCon or Blizzard has just been an industry darling for such a long time that now yeah. they're having to navigate having some negative PR on them that, you know, being a part of someone else's thing rather than having an event where people can yell about um, Chinese censorship <laughs> seems like a good idea. Um, having even Diablo Immortal be packaged into something else is is much easier for them because, you know, like we keep forgetting that's not a game that's made for the west that is not a game that's made for north america that's a game that's made for china tough being made in china by netties so you know i feel like it makes more sense for them to they still have to please their stockholders and their investors by having information about it in the west they still have to prove that they're doing that it's a lot more positive for them if they do it as part of ign's thing or keely's thing than if they do it um to their direct blizzcon audience who clearly hated it last time so i feel like it just works out for everyone yeah, it's low key kind of a blessing in disguise, like no pun yeah. intended. Like the the fact that they can kind of have a year off and not have to worry about BlizzCon. Like I'm sure, I'm sure there's fine there's financial loss there. I'm sure there's like 
marketing switch ups that need to happen. But all in all, like the fact that they can just take a year off and not necessarily have to worry about like, yeah, the blo- the the controversy from from the last two years kind of looming over what this year's BlizzCon is going to be. I feel like coming them coming back with BlizzCon and say fall 2021 is going to be a way better thing for them this time around because they have that separation. Yeah, for sure. Also, when you dress up for like Halloween, do you call yourself Blessing in Disguise? I'm, I've not done it myself, but that doesn't stop my friends from doing it. I might I might do that as like a Halloween, like as a specific Halloween costume. Yep. Just like wear a disguise, get up uh, and, and do that to finally like lean into it all the way. Yeah. Uh, our last news story, uh, story number five, League of Legends is adding in-game advertising. This is from Brendan Seclair at GamesIndustry.biz. Uh, Riot Games is taking a new approach to in-game advertising with League of Legends. The company today announced that it will launch Summoner's Rift arena banners with advertiser branding on them during official Le- League of Legends esport broadcasts, beginning with next month's summer split matches. Unlike traditional in-game advertising, these branded banners will be will be visible to people watching the action. But not the actual match participants. Riot reasons that this will avoid any distractions for pro players as they'll instead see a standard standardized play field. Quote, our aspiration is to create an environment that exudes the energy found in traditional sports and we'll continue to work towards that. We'll continue to work towards that goal. Uh, Riot explained in post uh, in a post to players adding, quote, we see this as an as an important as an important next step to help our leagues and teams reach their next stage of growth. End quote. MasterCard and Alienware will be among the first brands featured on the banners. The banners are just the first in a number of digital products Riot is adding to its game. The company said others will be revealed uh, before the summer split begins. So yeah, in-game ads, League of Legends. This makes me want to die. This uh, is a very interesting way to do it. This is the worst because I've been predicting this for a while. My biggest concern with something like Stadia is that they could have real-time advertising in any game that you stream at any point in time, the same way that we have for you know the TV shows that we watch on stream. There's no reason that uh, they couldn't prevent you from watching a cutscene by making you see a two-minute ad or you know having banners in-game. I'm really worried about that with VR because the appeal to advertisers for having ads in VR is just so massive because you can't take your eyes away from it you can't look at your phone the amount of money in that is just so big that there's no way that the advertising industry isn't going to try to do that more with video games riot doing this first obviously owned by tencent again this is like chinese company controlling everything that's what they do um but them leading the way for this and making it okay opens up a floodgate i think of things that we do not want we don't you know it starts just with with esports obviously but I feel like this is the, the gateway drug to cutscenes um, having ads on them, uh, VR having ads in it. Just I just don't mm-hmm. want it. I don't want this future, but I feel like it's absolutely inevitable and we're going to get it. And um, we're going to be like, you know, how now we're like, I miss the days where you didn't have to download a game. It's going to become I miss the days where games didn't have fucking Yeah, I'm very Huge curious problem. to see what the promise the- is. Because like... The fact, like you can, you can see in their approach that they're trying to balance it in a way where, yeah, they are ta- they are talking about the fact that the players uh, in the league aren't going to see mm-hmm. the ads, only the audience, only the people watching the events, which I think is a very interesting approach because I think that I think that is them being like, all right, how far is too far, and how far can we take it before we get there? And this no, seems like more selfish than that. Weird compromise. I think that's them being like, how do we make sure it's the most entertaining possible to watch so that the players aren't being confused by something so that we can make more money off of viewers and make sure we don't lose any viewers while also making those viewers see ads. 
I don't think yeah. it's like a balance or a compromise. It's literally just like that's how Denson operates. The whole thing is just how do we make the most goddamn money possible? And if it works and people don't complain, that's it. We got ads in our PUBG. And th there are ways in which I'm okay with ads. I was okay with Alan Awake and the battery ads. Obviously, it didn't work that well if I can't remember the brand. It was one of the major battery brands was like in billboards on Alan Wake. I'm okay with that. I almost find it funny. Like, you know, the presence of yeah. um, monster energy cans and Death Stranding. Yeah, sometimes Stranding. I just find it goofy and silly and I'm, I'm all right with it. But the minute that, you know, it's it starts getting to be too much and, and if the future of gaming, even if it's really far away, is streaming based um, or is VR, that's where I'm like, I hate that especially when games are being streamed mm -hmm. live. That's why Google wants to get behind it. They make most of their money from advertising. Obviously, Stadia is because they realize how much money they can make from advertising, from how much money that they can make by having someone watch a video on YouTube and then immediately jump over to um, playing that game and, and getting their purchase without even signing out of their goddamn Gmail account. Like, that's clearly why they want to get into Stadia. Is, is oh, yeah. Um, that's their drive for everything. So it's just... It's just... I just feel like the inevitability is coming sooner than I wanted, and I just wish that advertising would get away from my video games. Do you think for esports this might be a? And I, I feel like I'm, I'm now playing devil's advocate, and I'm now like defending it. To be clear, I don't like this at all. Uh, but for the sake of conversation, do you think this might be a necessary evil for esports? Because like when you look at regular sports, right? Like if you watch, let's say, like a um a premier league match right like a soccer game you have like the banner advertisements there i right? love like, that you, you have... went to the premier league <laughs> so yeah, i don't know why from, but you did the premier league i appreciate that that <laughs> i don't know why i went premier league i think it's just all the fifa i play um but I like mean, the you, premier you... league has like you know if something is overtime it's like the this minute the minutes are sponsored uh so yeah do i feel like it's a necessary evil for esports like, in some for, cases for e yes because mm -hmm. my understanding of esports sorry to cut you off is that uh it is not making as much money as anyone is suggesting it is at all. So they have to figure out how to make it more profitable. Um, for sure. Uh, sponsorships only go so far once you can put them in the games. Yeah. You're going to make more money. But again, like <laughs> the minute that it works, it's downhill slope from there. Mm. Keep it to esports, Fine. I understand it being in esports. I get that. Um, but it just, I just feel like we could rule it out from the jump and then it would never get worse. Alana, I'm very curious to see how far this rabbit hole goes of in-game advertisements happening in esports. But that terrible future is so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to mom and drop shops today, where would I look? Oh, hang on, this is the part. The, thing. <laughs> the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Do 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 yeah. yeah. Out today, we got Missile Command Recharge for Switch, PC, and Mac, uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 for PC, Castle Pals for Xbox One, Many Faces for PS4 and Xbox One, Ailment Switch, Wizard's Wand of Epicosity for PS4, Edge of Dawn for PC, Reki for PC and Mac, Blood Rage Digital Edition for PC and Mac, which is interesting. Blood Rage, I used to play a, uh, like a Flash game called Bloody Rage. And so I wonder if that's at all related. Uh, Roguejack, Roguelike, Blackjack for PC and Mac. Rising Lords for PC. Mists of Noya for PC. Roller Stars for PC. Monster Territory for PC. And then Night Dive Studios System Shock as a brand new demo available on GOG.com and Steam. New dates. Uh, Samurai Showdown is coming to Epic Game Store on June 11th. 
Uh, Fast and Furious Crossroads has been delayed. It is now coming out on August 7th, 2020. And then, let's see, on Twitter, at Play Avengers tweeted this morning, we've reassembled at home and are working to finish our mission. We can't wait to show you our new gameplay and co-op in our first Marvel's Avengers uh, War Table stream on June 24th. So look out for that. Uh, now it is time for Reader Mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Of course, your support means the world to Kind of Funny. Uh, because of you, the audience, Kind of Funny is able to do things like launch a new studio, have a special collaboration week with Funhouse, launch shows like the return of PSLW XOXO, and more. You can head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames if you want to support Kind of Funny Games daily and all the content that we produce on this side of Kind of Funny. And you can, get, you can gain special perks like exclusive content, becoming a Patreon producer, and more. Once again, just go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames to support the show and learn more about what we have to offer. Alana. Mm-hmm. Frank Furter writes in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames just like you can and says, Good morning, Blessing and Alana. Recently, re- recently released financials for Rockstar have brought it have brought to light, uh, and if and if all is correct, we are looking at a, at a GTA 6 release in 2023 slash 2024. It makes sense with GTA 5 still being in the top games sold each year, and Red Dead Redemption 2 still selling well. However, it leads me to ask, what will they release in between now and then? Red Dead Redemption 2 DLC could do well, but the ever-insatiable gamers want more. So what else could they have up their sleeves to, uh, that would satisfy the masses? Thanks for all you do, Frank Furter. Alana, do you think we see anything, anything from Rockstar before GTA 6? They absolutely don't need to. Um, you know, we, we still don't have the goddamn GTA 5 single-player DLC that oh. we were promised. Uh, but that's not happening. Um, Bully 2 has obviously been rumored for a very long time in part because I think they did a casting call um, from a London studio. Um, so it's possible, but I actually don't agree. I don't think the ever insatiable gamers really need more where Rockstar is concerned. I think we're okay with um, Red Dead 2 and GTA 5 being supported consistently rather than a new game release necessarily coming out. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think... If you look at Rockstar as a company, like they are a money-making machine in the way that like GTA 5 is still generating a ton of revenue, right? Like the most fact that they have most profitable game of all time. It's a big like, deal. Like profitable game of all, of all time, which is which is huge, right? Like they could keep riding off of that success for a while if they wanted to. You look at Red Dead Redemption 2, like they're still like that game is also super profitable, right? Like like uh, numbers were reported. Uh, I think Greg and um um uh, Adam Kovic talked about it yesterday on the show about the new MPD numbers. And yeah, like Red Dead Redemption 2, still killing it. And so like as a company, Rockstar really doesn't really have to do anything until they release their next big jug- juggernaut. That said, like I know there have been, and th- this is purely me uh, standing by the predictions I made earlier this year for what the next few years are going to look like, especially for next gen. I still stand by there is a chance we could get a repackaged GTA 5 with additional content for for next gen. I think it could make a lot of sense to to uh, to make a lot more money. Like I, I think, think that's likely. Yeah. As far I think as far as like making new assets and making new story content, like they've done some so much of that for online that it wouldn't be really too much of a stress to do that for uh, single player if they wanted to. If they wanted to to resell uh, GTA 5 as like a new package. Um, either yeah, way, whether or not totally there's whether, whether or not there's 
Or go for it. Uh, th- there's things that I would want. Like, sure, I'd love to see Midnight Club. I'd love to see more L.A. Noir. Um, I would love to see more Bully. That stuff, I don't think is going to happen. I think I think you're right that what we will actually get, what I would think they're going to do, is just continue to support the most recent two releases, which are both yeah. massive, highly esteemed. People really like them. Um, so yeah, Red Dead 2 coming to next gen also 100% makes sense. That is most likely what we will get. And yeah, potentially we will get more, more story content. Um, I could see that happening with Red Dead more so than with GTA. But that that seems the most likely to me. Anakin JMT writes in to patreon.com slash games, just like you can, and says, what's good, Blessing and Alana? Phil Spencer was on Reggie's podcast where he repeated his belief that games that still required that games that still require motion capture and symphonic capture would likely be delayed, but games that already had those processes complete were likely to stay on schedule. Could developers choose to forego motion capture and using a live orchestra in favor of key animation in synthetic orchestra in order to be able to get their game out quicker? It would be more expen- expensive, especially for key animation, but publishers may be, may be more willing to drop a bit more money for a game to release rather than sink even more money into a stalled project that ultimately may become canceled and thus losing out on that revenue. That's a very interesting question. It's and so, up to the devs is the thing. So like, mm-hmm. yes, developers could forego motion capture and, and live orchestras, though I know orchestras are still functioning. They're just using very specific countries. Um, but orchestras are absolutely still working on video games right now. That is actively happening. Whereas motion capture so much is not like one of the biggest ones for games made here in North America is in San Diego. I know that that has uh, halted a lot of production, but they're, they're, they're still trying to do people independently where they can, but has for sure shut down. Um, it's it's just, Yeah, it's not up to the devs. The devs could do that. But when you're a developer, generally what you want is to have the game that you envisioned be the game that you envisioned. It is publisher pressure that would make that happen. Uh, based on what I heard from what Phil said, um, he doesn't want to do that. It's, he wants to let the devs decide. But I could see uh, a studio like Activision um, demanding that things have have key animation rather than motion capture. Uh, but but that said, like Call of Duty, you know, is very cinematic, so it, it hurts the quality of that product a lot. It's it's. I don't think that people are going to want to um, drop the quality of their game, but yeah, it depends on the publisher. It's always going to yeah. be which publisher and how they've planned their their years and their finances and what they've told their investors is coming out at what time and making sure they have the return so that they don't tank on the stock market. That's what really runs the games industry. Got to remember that, kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like, do believe it is it is cheaper to uh, key than it is to um, motion capture. Yeah, but it ta- it takes a really it takes long more time. More time. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's the thing. I think the thing that you're sacrificing really is like. Or not even sacrificing, but but the trade-off is uh, all the time given for key animation, you know, and probably the loss in quality at the same time. Like, I I imagine if you're a studio that traditionally does motion capture, you probably prefer to do motion capture because you get more natural movement that way. Like, it, and I, once again, it it probably, it probably depends from studio to studio because Naughty Dog, I don't, and they're already like about to ship their game, so they're not really a good example. But let's say Naughty Dog was in the midst of doing motion capture. I don't think they would in a million years want the trade off of hey let's just do key key uh, uh, key framing for this or key capture whatever it's called like I think I, I think for no, for no them way. yeah Sony like for them Sony's a studio who wants the quality titles they want the ten exactly they care about that a lot so or as a publisher rather um, Sony's not not going to push them on that it's it's people like Activision that might um, like Active Blizzard the way that they function I could almost 
no, I could actually for sure see Bethesda doing it, which they tend to anyway. But it's, it's uh, you know, if you ever want to understand how different publishers function, generally just look at the board, look at their hierarchy. And if the people who are on the board, who are alongside the CEO, are business people rather than people with any background in video games, you can generally predict what they're going to do. So the boards that have businessmen uh, are the ones who aren't going to care so much about mocap and making yeah. sure things come out. Especially, it's just such a weird year for this all to be happening when there's so much. There's so much like, that needs like, to happen this year. Launching with the new console is so important, and man, it's yeah, it's the timing. It's just nuts. Brutal. Yeah. I hope we don't see uh, that sacrifice made as far as like uh, like motion capture for key animation or uh, especially for me as somebody who really likes soundtracks in general. Like I don't want to see the the sacrifice from having like an actual orchestra to like doing doing all that in a doll or like having having a synthetic orchestra. Like I and once again, it all comes down to vision, right? Like developers are going to are going to figure things out like the way the, the way they need to in order to get their game out. Um, but I think there's something special about having, let's say a game like Mario Odyssey or not Odyssey. Well, I guess probably Odyssey also, but, uh, Galaxy, uh, as my go-to for like a game that has a beautiful orchestral score. Granted, I don't know 100% whether or not that was done with an actual orchestra or not. I've always just assumed that's an actual or- orchestra. Um, but like, you know, you get soundtracks like that, you know, when, when you're able to, uh, do like when you're, when you're able to stick to your vision the way you want to. Uh, and so I, I, I kind of just hope not to see developers sacrifice their vision in order to to compromise in a way that's going to affect the game um, totally in a way that's, that's visible. I prefer to wait and have something better yeah. than to have something now, but that's not the way the stock market works. <laughs> so it unfortunately isn't up to us. But no, I, I, there are a lot of games that you would think have beautiful um, scores that were recorded with the instruments uh, one by one in a lot of cases, um, because that's necessary mm-hmm. for the way video game audio works. You know, it's supposed to feel like the things that you do uh, lead into a a peak and a, and a trough and so you know if, if you press a certain button you're going to hear a different audio to what someone else is doing so video game scores are just really really layered anyway um, so a lot of it has to be recorded totally separately with some individual pieces being recorded all together so I actually don't think that recording uh, each individual instrument separately is um, that much of a problem and I really just say that based on um, having a podcast with Austin Wintory who I believe is the only grammy winning video game soundtrack composer um mm-hmm. he's spoken about that stuff at length where you know s- some of his games have been um he has individual instruments recorded separately and then pieces it all together so that part i think is a lot more possible the mocap stuff there really ain't much you can do about you know voice actors are okay to work from home right now and and there a lot of that is still happening but you can't really have a, a mocap setup from home yeah. <laughs> it's not really gonna work so that part is tough now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Where you write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can co- correct ourselves for people watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames uh, and podcast services around the globe. Uh, let's see here. I love that you guys do this. It's, it's good. Uh, Frank Furter says, the song Alana, I believe, is looking for is Warp by Bloody Beat Roots. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I like that song, but that was not one of the songs that I was looking for. <laughs> Lord of Pwn says, I believe the Gwen, Gwen, Gwen Stefani song is What You Waiting For. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. Uh, let's see here. A lot of editorializing going on, and you're wrong. Uh, 
Energizer batteries were the ones being advertised in Alan Wake. Mm-hmm. Thank you, the nail biologist, for that. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, I wonder how much they paid for that. I think about it all the time because that's permanently in that game forever. What does that deal look like? How do you pay? They don't know how many people are going to see it. They know that anytime anyone plays Alan Wake for the rest of their lives, they get advertised Energize Bunny. Like, that's just so nuts. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. Uh, people are asking if there's a squad up today. There is not a squad up today. Nobody rolling with a squad up. And so we skip that segment. And then Nail Biologist says, Blessing nailed it. Take to announce they're going to be releasing 93 games over the next five years. Uh, not that you're wrong, but I like patting myself on the back every now and then. It makes me feel good, you know? <laughs> Alana, did you end up uh, figuring out your your five club bangers? I really could go get my laptop, but that seems like a lot. We can wait. Okay, yeah, let me go I will literally time. pull up the software I used to DJ and tell you what my most played songs are. Sick. While that's happening, Kevin, I need you on the mic. Kevin, you here with me? You here with me? There you go. Yeah, resize yourself so that you're in Alana's, Alana's seat. This is perfect. Kevin, What's top, up, five, top five club bangers. Oh, man. I think Queen has more songs than that, so I got plenty of choices. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Wow. You know what I mean? I know what you, I, dude, I know what you mean. Are you going all Queen? Just, uh, just go to Queen. I mean, am I answering the, ses- the question seriously, or because, like, first Dude, of all, answer it the way I'm you not, feel, man. I'm not mentally equipped to handle this. I don't. Oh, 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 oh there it is. Oh, she's back. Kevin's not mentally. I was trying oh, to like angry. sneak up on him, like God mode, but then you moved. <laughs> okay. Uh, someone in the right, chat you got your Queen is overrated. Overrated. They are getting timed overrated. out. Timed out. There you That's go. That's right, Kevin. Uh huh. It's a heavy hammer I carry. Use your power, man. You got it for a reason. You got it for a reason. I like. I read out mine, I believe, when we originally talked about this on the show, but I can't. I can't even remember what I would have had on that. I must have had at least two Little John songs, though. Because you can't have a you can't have a, a club that's banging without Little John. Well, this just doesn't seem right. There's no, I don't even know what no? that song is. <laughs> Apparently, I have one particular song that I have played um, like 198 million times. Uh, really? Which seems, seems very unlikely. That doesn't sound but, right. No, but uh, so like if I show you like this is just Tractor, which is like just a simple DJ software. There's plenty that you can use. I have 3,000 songs in here and some of them I don't even know that well. Okay, Super Friends. I play that a lot by ZHU, Super Friends. Um, Mind by Skrillex and Diplo. I play a fair bit. Right. Lean on Afterlife, Major Lazer. These, these, see, the thing about these... Very EDM heavy. Uh, they're mostly house, actually. Um, is just because most of what I have had to play is house. But if I go to... I have a folder in here that is called Shit They Know, which is songs that makes... Beautiful. Clubs That's dance perfect. no matter what. I have Earthquake by Tiny Tempo. I have really uh, a, a solid remix of Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift. Um, there's a trap remix of Dark Horse by Katy Perry. People love that shit. Cassim yeah. EDM remix of I Write Sins, Not Tragedy. People love that. Uh, the R.L. Grime remix of, of Satisfaction. That one goes off pretty hard. Um, or oh, Every Time We Touch by Cascada. That's a great song to play at, at Game of Shit. Too. I approve. Like, I approve of everything going on here. I think this, this playlist sounds great. Most of those songs I've actually not heard of, but I'm aware of all those artists. They're all great artists. <laughs> Again, the Shit <laughs> They Know playlist is for, is for when people are really, really drunk and really want to dance. 
Um, they lose their minds. It's great. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Diplo remix. That one's good too. Sick. Anything that includes Diplo or not Diplo, Diplo or Tiny Tempo or Arl Grime. Arl Grime has an ex excellent uh, remix of Mercy by Good Music that I absolutely love. Absolutely. Oh yeah, love. yeah, Incredible. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, very, very good shit. Um, Speaking of fantastic, tomorrow's hosts are me and Adam Kovic. So stay tuned for that. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.